Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. Heck yeah, that was John Barnes, and this is Cop On. And before we sink our claws into episode 31, let me just first say a massive heartfelt thank you to Morgan S. Henderson, who is our latest Patreon supporter. Thank you so much, Morgan. Thoroughly appreciate it. And if you, the listener, would also like to get involved with Patreon, support us, you can do so for as little as one US dollar per month. Uh, Just head over to patreon.com forward slash cop on podcast. My name's Owen, and let's Mm, let's glide into this. Let's sort of find this balloon of episode 31 and, and pump it full of helium. Today you are about to hear from four reds around the world. Uh, we have uh, Linus in Sweden. We have Majd in America. And we have a brother and sister duo, delighted to say, Marty and Anna Sikora. Um, thank you so much to all of them for being on today's episode. And I really hope, thoroughly hope, you, the listener, the dear, loved listener, enjoy. <laughs> Super. I'm absolutely buzzing today. And um, Marty, first of all, welcome to the Cop On podcast for your for your debut. How do you feel today about yesterday's result? Thank you very much. Um, yeah, ecstasy this morning. Um, terror yesterday. Um, you know, it was one of those games where it, it was reminiscent of the seasons gone by where I thought we started very slow, very cumbersome. I was a bit worried. Um, Southampton caught us cold. Um you know, but I, I think I tweeted it yesterday. Um, you know, I think coming back from one 0 down away from home when we weren't playing well, um, you know, it's, it's a sign of champions. And you know how we're feeling. I can only imagine that the players are feeling that times ten. Um, so absolute ecstasy, feeling confident now. I, I certainly won't be uh, questioning the players' mentality anymore. Um, but yeah, absolutely fantastic, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's 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 a superb feeling, and you're right. the The manner of it has got to has got to work in our favour. Also, the manner of uh, you know the Spurs victory and the Fulham victory. You know, it's just I don't know. Confidence must be so high. How's your confidence, Anna? Well, to be honest, I was more confident than my brother um, in the first <laughs> half yesterday because he was a little bit um, wordy. In the, in the first 15 minutes or so. And I was quietly confident because I knew we'd come back from that. I always feel like when, you know, someone scores early, that's not necessarily a good thing. Um, so I, I was quietly confident. In fact, my prediction was 3-1. And of course, I didn't put anything on it because you don't when you get it right, do you? But uh, yeah, I was very confident, relieved afterwards, but very confident. Well, that, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's lucky I, I never bet on the Reds because uh, I've, I've been right once this season. Um, so, uh, yeah, I've stopped doing uh, putting money. I never bet on the Reds, never. Um, um, Majd, how, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm ecstatic, ecstatic. I was so happy yesterday. I, I think I celebrated this one even more than the Spurs one somehow. Just because it felt different yesterday, the manner of it, it just felt very different for some reason. I'm I'm just so so happy, really. Wonderful, yeah. So where 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 did you watch it? I watched it at home. I just I went came back from school and from college, sorry, and just sat that sat back and watched it. And I was biting my nails and so nervous, but uh, it just felt so good to win. Because yeah, like like uh, like the guy said, you can never question the team's attitude and mentality. They just never give up. Yeah, they never give up. Absolutely, Linus. Did you give up at any point? Were you were you? I mean, how how were you during the match and after? Well, during the match, I I was quite split. Well, obviously, when they scored, I was very I was very sad. I we looked. So horrible in the beginning of the game and after Keita's goal I feel like we had a bit of a resurgence but the same uh, at the beginning of the second half we looked quite bad again and I was so happy when Salah scored because that I just felt relieved. I didn't really shout or jump around as much as Madge but I, 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 I just took a sigh of relief and then when Henderson scored I might have jumped a little bit. <laughs> 
yeah yeah okay yeah I'm, I'm sure yeah many people were were the same it's, it was funny let's let's talk about the 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 goal scorers staying with you Linus because uh, you know Naby Keita we'll talk about them one by one Naby Keita obviously it's absolutely fabulous news he got he got his uh, first goal for the club yesterday and um I didn't think it was in because uh, <laughs> it looked in, and then and then uh, there was uh, the the editor of the of the TV signal cut to Cater, and the way he celebrated, it was like it had been disallowed or something. It was really weird. But then uh, obviously, you know, figured out it was in, and I was jumping up and down. I was really, I thought, right, we've got this now. We're gonna come back, and uh, I was pretty confident at that point. But yes, so delighted for him, Linus, aren't we? Yeah, he's so happy. I think it was very good all game, uh, except a bit, maybe the beginning where he was quite sloppy, but uh, most of the game he was just pulling strings all over and he, you could see the relief and emotions uh, on him when he scored. I think that's maybe why he, he's, uh, he was looking at the linesman just uh, trying to see if it would be disallowed or not, but then yes, he, he looked more relieved than I was when he scored that goal, and I, I'm just so happy for him, and I hope uh, his confidence is at a very high now, so he can just keep continue improving and getting even better and better, because we know he's got the quality. Absolutely, yeah, we do, and and uh, and you're right. Hopefully, he can build it, build on it. I mean, he's played, you know, 22 matches uh, in total, including sub appearances uh, this season, which is surprisingly a high number, actually. But uh, most of those were as a sub, I think. Um, Marty, what did you make of his performance yesterday, Nabby? So, first 10 minutes, um, he frustrated the life out of me. Um, it's probably he, he emphasised my biggest criticisms of him this season is that. He's absolutely smothered with ability, but he always seemed to take that one touch too many. And when you're playing in the Premier League and you're playing against players like Hoybier, you know, Ward Prowse, Romeo, um, you know, they're on you, and most Premier League midfielders are. Um, but he seemed to adapt in game really well. Um, you know, sort of, we went one 0 down, uh, and after sort of ten fifteen minutes, he got caught two or three times. I noticed he 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 really started to speed it up, speed play up. Um, I also saw him getting quite frustrated with some of the other midfielders because he was looking for that forward pass and they weren't making the runs between the lines. Um, and he seemed to have an influence. You know, I think there was a statistic that came up yesterday that he's not actually... I know we've only lost one game this season at Man City, but he's not been in a, a losing side. Um, you know, and he's played in difficult games. So you know, it does emphasise that he does have you know, a, a place in this team and that he does have an effect when he plays. Um, you know, and if I could have picked a goal scorer last night to get a goal, it would have been Naby Keita. Um, you know, he has played some really good football, but he just seemed to lack that end product in weeks gone by. And I thought last night he just he seemed to shake that off. And I mean, you, you saw after the goal, um, you know, he makes that break into the box, gets brought down, which was a stonewall penalty. Um, you know, he was pulling defenders from pillar to post. He was making those runs in, those late runs. He was getting in the box, which is something that we don't normally get from Wijnaldum or Henderson. Um, or even Fabinho. So I thought he was absolutely outstanding from about 15 minutes onwards. Um, and I think now, and I hope that that goal you know, kind of instills a bit more trust in him from Klopp and he can maintain that level of performance moving forward because if he does, I think you know he was absolutely brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I think he outshone Fabinho and Wijnaldum last night a lot. You're absolutely right, Marty. And it's interesting, yeah, you're talking about midfield runners as well. They weren't running for him and the attackers weren't running when he was looking for that through ball. Because that's something I've noticed this season, you know, throughout the season. Every single game that Cater plays, he's got his head up. He takes, you know, he take before he receives the ball, and he's waiting for runners. He receives the ball, he's still waiting, and no one's moving. And that's the main difference for me between, uh, you know, playing for Liverpool and playing for Leipzig. Leipzig, he always had, you know, at least two runners, and he was able to find them with his amazing ability for through balls. And is that something, Anna? That I don't know uh, something about his game. Do, do you think he needs to adapt to? how Liverpool plays or you think the you know the the other players should run for him a bit more I think he needs to speed up his play and maybe take one touch less it was a risk playing him yesterday I did admire Klopp for I did say to to Marty maybe caving to the fans a little bit because you know he does have a tendency to lean towards the the Hendo Milner duo um so he was taking a risk and it was exciting that made it exciting i wanted to touch upon um 
the the goal when you said um you know there was the uh, the pregnant pause wasn't there um and it was almost too late to cheer when we realized that it was allowed it was a very odd moment wasn't it where we weren't sure and then when we realized it was like yay <laughs> it was more of a relief than anything else yeah totally it was it was it was surreal it was completely surreal it was uh about you know but in a fabulous way um yeah nabby cater Majd, what do you reckon i'm just so happy for him because he had some really good games this season some okay games some not so good games but at least finally now he can say yes i contributed with something tangible to this team that's just really good because he needed that confidence and you can tell that there's a weight lifted off his shoulder he was carrying that pressure with him because he wa- he wants to deliver for us and just he wasn't able to as much as he could this season but yeah he's, he was really relieved about it I'm, I'm really happy for him I think this can really kick start his career and really take him give him the confidence he needs to really express himself more and, and just establish himself as a starter for this team now, from now on. Well, that's a very good answer, and I could talk about Cater all day. But moving on, Salah, Mohamed Salah, the second goal. Um, he took his top off. I thought that's that was cool. I mean, that was the the, the you know just a, a sort of normal reaction, understated reaction to a goal like that. I probably would have got completely naked, thrown my boots into the crowd, and and uh, probably just walked down the tunnel having scored a goal like that. So I thought it was a very understated celebration. But uh, I, I don't know, Anna um, Mo Salah. Um, are you considering a tattoo like I am? Oh, it's booked in. It's absolutely booked in. I thought that was fabulous yesterday. I mean, it was just poetic, wasn't it? It had that slightly dry spell. People were noticing it. People were commenting on it. And he scored what was potentially the most important goal at that point of the season so far. And like you say, yeah, take off the top, take off the bottom, do the conga. I re- yeah. There was a lot of um, negative feedback about his uh, celebration yesterday because people were saying, well, you know, he merely scored against Southampton. What, you know, what was all that about? And I don't think people really realised the significance of that goal because at that point, that was the goal, wasn't it? That was the goal of the match. That was the goal of the season. And that was the point at where I lost my voice for the second time this week. You can probably hear I'm still recovering. I don't normally sound this husky. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, being a huge Mo fan anyway, um, other than Virgil, of course, uh, yeah, it was just perfect. I mean, it was absolutely... Even my 10-year-old daughter was howling and screaming so it was just it was wonderful it really was excellent excellent and uh, how did you celebrate marty were you were you off your seat running around the room i was i was i was i, I leapt up i started you know shaking my fists in joy at the wall and then i start and then i was just running around like a dog that hasn't exercised too much um uh, what was your reaction marty well mine was similar i don't know if you remember the fa cup game against luton um when xabi alonso shot from the halfway yes. line and gerard started shouting at him and then started applauding that was me because the whole break I was saying pass, 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 pass. Oh, for, oh, what a goal. You know, that was me. And it was just, it, it was that a relief. And do you know what? You know, I think every Liverpool fan on the planet would echo this sentiment. It was just absolute delight for Mo Salah. And I, I said it yesterday after the game, um, you know, that was, that was a guy that never, ever doubted his own ability because, you know, there are players there that of similar ability to Mo Salah that would have passed it, you know, and, and he finished that. And let's be honest, if that was Messi scoring that in the Liga, you know, there would be, you know, I, I think it's so understated how good that finish was. He takes a little instep when he gets to the edge of the area with his left foot, opens up a small gap, and it's a small gap, and he manages to pinpoint that right on the inside of the post, and it was special. Um, you know, and, and that celebration for me was a guy that was, he took his shirt off and said, I told you, yeah, I told you what I can do. Don't doubt me again. Um, yeah, and it was absolutely brilliant from Mo. And you know he has had a, he has had the dry spell, but his contribution has still been there. I mean, you look at the the assist that for Mane and Bayern Munich, and I mean, you know, the ability never went. You know, it's just defenders 
were doubling up on him. They were starting to notice him. And then if you notice after that, Mane starts firing in. Um, you know, so one of those things, he, in, like big players do, when we needed him, he was there. Um, you know, he's our, he's our best player um, and he showed it last night and I'm absolutely delighted for him. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant answer. Exactly. It's 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 just so it's so wonderful to see him him back. I mean, we've never really doubted him, have we? I mean, the fans. I mean, we we know how great his contributions been. Um, he's been well. He's just been uh, sort of fabulous, really. Uh, but I actually thought Linus. I actually thought that it was his worst performance in this barren spell until he scored because I thought, you know, Jason McAteer said it yesterday as well that, you know, if, if he'd been uh, the manager, he would have considered subbing Salah off and then he goes and does that, you know, absolutely world-class goal of the season possibly, as Anna said. Um, I don't know, there's so much to talk about. What was your take on it, Linus? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I don't think he had a great game before that. He was obviously creating space for other players and he, he looked quite lively, but it just it, it just didn't seem, his touch didn't seem there and his, his decision-making was qu- questionable at times. So before, before the goal, I think, yeah, I didn't think he had a very great game, but after the goal, you could see his confidence and he, he was just back to, to his old self. He was... Uh, running at players it was just all all around great during the game and i think he got man of the match as well well it is a deserved one a deserved one mazd talk about him the egyptian king oh oh my what a comeback what a way to come back into this current form i really i agree i think it's it's actually one of the goals of the season it was an incredible goal really underrated how good that finish was and just how difficult it is to run at that speed that he was at because he had like two defenders trying to chase him, ch- chase him down and they, they couldn't keep up with him. It was incredible. And that's why, that's why you never take Salah off, even if he's having a terrible game because he's capable, capable of producing a moment of magic. And that's why I, I never, I'm never an advocate of taking Salah off. I always wanted to stay on the pitch because he's all, he can always produce something. And now he's he's basically won us two games in a row now. Now, the one against Spurs, he was there in the, uh, at the back post in the last minute, and yesterday he won us the game against uh, against Southampton. So he's invaluable to us, and she's so happy to see him score. And what a wonderful finish! What a wonderful goal! It's it's really brilliant, and that's why he's one of the best players in the world. It certainly is. It certainly is one of the... And, uh, you know, somebody um, posted on Twitter an interesting tweet, uh, uh, actually a couple of games ago, when we had 12 games left, possibly, if we get to the UCL final. So that was a couple of games ago by Raj Singh Chohan on Twitter. You can follow him. Um, Salah's last 12 games last season, he got 17 goals and assists. And his last 12 games the season before, 16-17, he got 14 goals and assists. Uh, So since that tweet, he's played two games, he scored one, and I would count as an assist his contribution against Spurs with that header um, that, uh, I don't know, not exactly forced the mistake, but at least put Loris under a lot of pressure. Um, So, yeah, I mean, he's absolutely brilliant. Um, If, again, you're going to choose people to score... Um, you know, Naby Keita's a great one. Mo Salah's a great one. Keita for his first goal. Salah to break his duck. But the third goal, Jordan Henderson. Wow, I would have chosen him. I'm so happy for him. Our captain. Um, uh, Anna, I mean, be honest. Have you ever doubted him? And uh, what did you make of his goal? Never doubted him. Absolutely never doubted him. I've always been a huge advocate of of Hendo. Um, But obviously, when he scored yesterday, again, it was just one of those moments where it's just a beautiful thing, isn't it? I mean, of all people to have scored the last goal, Hendo, he's taken so much. What can I, what word can I use on this? Criticism. Yes, I wasn't going to say criticism, Marty, but thank you. You. Yes, he's taken so much <laughs> criticism, and from you know our own fans, which is really, really difficult because it's bad enough that we're not particularly enjoyed by the other fans, and to take that kind of thing from our own fans is just terrible. I hate to see it. Um, you see it on Twitter all the time. So for him to have just put a real 
fingers up to everybody, you know, and so late in the season as well. Just wonderful. I love Hendo, love him, and I and I'm all for him being captain as well. I don't understand why anybody would want to take the captain captaincy captaincy away from him. That's the right word, isn't it? Yeah. Um, that is yeah. the right word. Yeah. It is the right word. Yeah. It's Saturday morning, and I've only had two coffees. That's not nearly enough for me. Um, but yeah, no, it was absolutely. It was another one of those wonderful moments in the season. If you were going to put it all together, that would definitely be one of the highlights for me. Totally, yeah, me too. I've got to say, honestly, honestly, I've never doubted it, but there is a but, and I'm not, I just think, I mean, I love him, I love his heart, I love his passion, I love what it means, Um, I think his technique is underrated, I think he does a good job. Are there better midfielders in the world Possibly, though. That's my only hesitation with Henderson. And I'm being very harsh, aren't I, Linus? I'm being, you know, this is how a captain he scored a marvellous goal. And I'm really happy he's there. And But I, I don't know. It was interesting, his, his role yesterday in the number eight as opposed to the number six. And I thought he was absolutely sensational. I don't know. Talk to me about Henderson, Linus. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you were being too harsh. Obviously, he's he's a good player. He's good. He's got good control of the game, and I think he's a very smart player. Just calming the calming the play down and using his captaincy to have a bit of advantage over the other players and just telling them what to do. I think he's very good at that. But obviously, there's better players out there. Like I think Fabinho is a better player than him in almost every aspect, except the leadership. And that's a very underrated quality of his. And in that eight role, I think we we just saw him a bit all over, uh, a bit more all over the pitch, and not as restricted in that uh, number six because we have Fabinho there. And I think that's just the best role for Henderson. We saw it in the four-two-three-one as well when he played with Fabinho. He could sort of go uh, go forward a bit more, and he's just more influential all over. And I think he's just done that very very well. And Oh, the, but I still think there's better players out there. But I, I would never advocate for taking the captaincy or not using Henderson because I think he's a very good player in our team. And I think our midfield uh, is very underrated because we, we don't have those flashy Pogba type uh, dribble three players and get a top corner. But we have a very hard working midfield and that's, uh, one of the most important facets to to how club wants to play, and then we have the fullbacks as the creative players. I think that's some something we may we forget at times. Yeah, we'll we'll come on to talk about the the fullbacks, but uh, yes, I mean you know just uh, Marty. What I mean, where would you play Henderson? Do you prefer him in, in in a six, or do you prefer him as a more sort of advanced midfielder? What do you think, Marty? Um, I I think you've got to look at it. I think he was doing a job in the six while we didn't really have one. Then all of a sudden out of nowhere, Jeannie Wijnaldum seemed to excel in the six. And then Fabinho seemed to just completely own the six. Um, And it was quite interesting. Obviously Henderson after the game yesterday said that he'd actually had a chat with Klopp and said, you know, I think I can offer something much further forward. And I agree. You know, I think Henderson, um, you know, I'm not going to lie. I think Henderson is, you know, he's limited technically. I don't think he's the most technically brilliant midfielder at the club, let alone sort of, you know, talking world football. Um, but what Henderson does offer you is 100% week in, week out, and, you know, cliche, but passion. And you look at that celebration from Henderson last night, and that was a guy that actually, he genuinely, genuinely cared. You know, he scored that goal, and that meant the world to him. Um, and I don't think you can replace that. I think you can put Fabinho on the side, you can put Wijnaldum, Keita, you know, and they're going to be technically brilliant, play fantastic passing. But when the chips are down and you need that player that can come on and grab someone by the scruff of the neck and say, get it in gear, that is what Henderson will bring you. Um, So I think moving forward, he's going to be absolutely vital. He absolutely should be the club captain. He should get minutes on the pitch. There will be games where he shouldn't play, as there will be games where Cater shouldn't play or Wijnaldum shouldn't play, because there are systems that fit certain games. Um, And I think moving forward... I hope Klopp listens to Henderson because I think last night is a glimpse of what Henderson does higher up the pitch. You know, he can press, he's energetic, 
He can pass, he can shoot, he can make those runs into the box, and he is an intelligent footballer. Um, so hopefully Fabinho is the six, um, and then we see a rotation of Wijnaldum, um, Cater, and Henderson in those two advanced midfield roles. I think moving forward, that would benefit us massively. That's very interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah, because, you know, you've got to remember when uh, when Damien Comerley was around and, uh, you know, we were playing the money ball stats thing, we signed him because he was one of the most creative players, if not the most creative player in the country in terms of, you know, making chances for other people. And that was when he was at Sunderland and as a youngster. And he's got a lot better since then, in my opinion. Um, what do you make of it, Majd? I just love that. <laughs> I just love that we had to sub in Henderson and Milner to win us the game, basically. It's actually kind of hilarious. It just tells us that <laughs> really nobody, we don't know anything about football, mostly. We just love the game. But <laughs> <laughs> the fact that we subbed in Henderson and Milner, they had such a great impact on the game, really. Like, Milner was playing really nice balls into feet instead of, you know, Trent was trying to cross the ball a lot to the far post, but... Milner was able to control the ball and really play it into feet around the, the edge of the area. And Henderson just came in and really showed up that midfield that was kind of getting out of control because you can tell Wijnaldum is like running out of gas at this point. The guy is super tired. I think I think I saw a stat where he ran 140 kilometers more than any other midfielder in our squad. So he definitely needed a rest, and you can physically you can you can see it on. The way he's running, he's very tired. But yeah, I just love the funny thing about Hendo's celebration is that he he put in like four or five different celebrations together, the the sliding and then the putting his uh, hands on his ears for the haters and then the the fist bumping just four or five celebrations into one because he <laughs> knows he doesn't. He knows he does, he's not going to score a lot of goals, but yeah, it was absolutely fantastic to see. You can tell how much he loves this club and how much he wants to He wants to stand up and be counted and be one of those guys that delivers the title because he was part of the 2014 heartbreak and he missed a few games at the end of the season and we needed him. We missed him that time. And he just wants to deliver that title as much as anybody else. So it was great to see. It was just a passionate, passionate moment. And you can tell how... Everybody in the squad was really happy for him. Yeah, totally. You really could. And uh, yeah, it delighted for him. You're absolutely right. He's got that heartbreak. And yes, I might have, you know, just said that there are possibly better midfielders out there in the world. But there's no one I would rather see lifting the Premier League trophy. Nobody than Jordan Henderson because I think he's been a, a credit to himself to the club he's never in trouble he's always helping people out you know what he did at Christmas with Adam Lalana to help out the kids at Christmas I thought that was fantastic as well so yeah he's a credit he's a big credit um, the next question and I'll start with you uh, Linus is where does this result leave us in terms of the title race? We're recording this on Saturday um, before Man City play Brighton in the Cup, so they haven't got a league game for a while. So they've got a while, basically, to think about being second. Uh, what do you think of it, where, the, where it leaves us in the title race? I think we're in a very good position right now. We're top of the league. That must play into to our favor obviously and even though we have a game uh, city have a game in hand they have some very tough games coming up and it, and it's all over quite a short spell of time it's 22 days and it's three games versus spurs it's palace it's united and a tough away game to burnley and even though uh, city as a team's better than spurs having three games where you can't put out anything other than your strongest 11 and then united on top of that and Probably Palace as well, because Palace is a really hard side to play against, and we saw what they did to Man City last time. So I think this is, is where we need City to slip up, and uh, I think if they don't slip up here, that's probably where it gets really tough for us in the uh, league. But right now, I feel I feel on top of the world as a Liverpool fan. We have Champions League... Uh, versus uh, Porto, a very favorable uh, matchup for us in on Tuesday. And we're very much in the title race. And as long as I haven't died from a heart attack at the, until the end of the season, I, th I think it could be a very good summer for us. 
<laughs> yes, it's definitely hard for our health, isn't it? Um, uh, yeah, what about you, Anna? Where does this result leave us? Honestly, I get palpitations just thinking about it. I feel like City have got to be concerned at this point. I think, you know, it's so close. When I look at the, the games, it looks to me that City have the hardest run. Um, I know we've got Chelsea looming at some point. I don't know if that's, is that Sunday? We've got Chelsea, yeah. You know, that's going to be a difficult game. But they've got Man United away. That's not going to be easy. You know, I think Man United are going to turn up for that game. Obviously, they're in the, you know, they're looking to, to be in the top four. Um, but honestly, it's so close that it's almost a struggle to watch. It's almost like watching a horror film through your fingers, isn't it? it it's so, I mean, last night, I, I, I genuinely had to go upstairs and have a mindfulness 15 minutes because I was so panicky. <laughs> Um, and, and that's a genuine thing. And I think that's the great thing about it. I think if you're in a title race and you're nine points ahead, yeah, you can relax, you can chill out, you can watch the game. But where's the passion and the excitement and the exhilaration and those screaming moments where you get up and you just hug each other and, you know, hug your kids and swing the dog around? And you're not going to get that. You're not going to have those those precious moments like Salah's goal and, you, you know, if we're if we're steaming ahead. So, you know, it is difficult and it is, you know, everybody says being a Liverpool fan is the hardest thing in the world because we don't make it easy for the fans. Um, but it, I think that's where it's at, isn't it? That's, and if we do win, if this is the year, um, it's just going to be incredible, isn't it? The parade. Oh, I don't know. I, I'm going to do a one-man parade, I think, because I'll probably, you know, probably be in Paris. I'll be, yeah, I mean, like I said, uh, you know, in a previous thing, you know, they've got the Gilets Jaunes protests at the moment. It's, it often makes the news on a Saturday night. You'll see me amongst them all, um, you know, just running through the streets in my boxer shorts with, uh, you know, waving my scarf, absolutely elated amongst the panic uh, but this is it this is it we've got to learn to enjoy it Marty don't we I mean this is I mean it's terribly difficult to deal with sometimes I mean emotionally I mean I felt like I was I don't know at, at the end of a boxing match at the end of the match it was it was a wonderful feeling having won the boxing match but it was you know it is hard for our health but we've got to enjoy it haven't we yeah it's Liverpool in a unique position in the title race it's been 29 years since we won a title and you know, it is summed up perfectly by one of the fans before the game. You know, it's just everybody wants it so much, and it, that's what builds up the anxiety, the emotion, the groans, the moans, the uh, hyper celebrations at the end of each win. Um, you know, we want it, and we want it a lot. Um, you know, but we, we need to break this duck. You know, we need to get this league title over the line because it's like anything. I think it'll be like buses. Once Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp win that elusive Premier League they will then start following and the pressure comes off because City won the league last year. If City don't win the league this year, it will be our oh, good title race. We go again next year. We've got two or three already in the, in the last 10 years. Liverpool need to get to that point where challenging and winning major honours is a formality. You know, And you look at teams gone by and I think you look at, and I hate to reference them, but Manchester United under Fergie, you know, winning became their mentality and their formula and you know, they didn't get the anxiety. It would be the 89th minute They'd be 1-0 down. They needed a draw at Old Trafford. And they just knew they would get it. And with Liverpool, you know, it's almost a mentality thing. You know, we're used to getting to that, getting to the final hurdle and falling. Um, and it's happened the last couple of years. And we need to just stick together. And it's in City's hands, you know, black and white. Is if City win the rest of their games, they win the league. Um, and all we can do is keep winning, keep winning and keep that pressure on. And there's key points in the season. And we're now at the final stretch. And I said these three games, Tottenham at home, Southampton away, Chelsea at home. If we get through those with maximum points, I think we win the league. Because I, I honestly can't see, for as good as Manchester City are, getting through that congested fixture list of not just you know, a lot of games, tough games. And there are technically tough games, which is United away, the three games against Spurs, the one at home obviously being the league game. And then you've also got the physically grueling ones, Palace away, where they'll get kicked to lumps. Burnley away, they'll get kicked to lumps. And so there's games in there. And if City get through with maximum points, quite frankly, I think you put your hands up and say, 
deserved champions. I don't think they will. So as long as we keep winning, and I think if we win the rest of our games, I think we're champions. That's a really interesting answer. Yeah, there's. I mean, it's interesting. You, you, you're talking about the mentality there. I mean, it's an intangible thing. People like me, you know, we love looking at stats. We love analysing the data. Mentality is um, is uh, it's intangible. About you know, the the manner, just the manner of our last three victories, the way that we're not going away, the way that Pep said publicly that you know he, the way he felt after you know that that own goal against Spurs he went ah ah shit like that and i just think this might tell uh, Majd, uh it might have a it might have a, an effect on Manchester City and talking about their fixtures then just you know in case you haven't googled them every sort of 15 minutes over the last 3 weeks like i have uh, then you know their their fixtures their next fixtures wait well today is the 6th of april as we're recording um and before the end of april i'll just the exact date is the 28th of april they play burnley away uh, so in the next sort of 22 days they are playing tottenham away uh, in the Champions League, Palace away, the return match in the Champions League at, at home to Tottenham, then in the league at home to Tottenham, and then away at Man United, and as Marty said, away at Burnley as well. Mast, it's, I mean, if it was just Tottenham Palace, Tottenham Tottenham, between now and the 28th of, of April, in the next 22 days, that's hard enough. But to put Man United away and Burnley away on top of that, ooh, where do you think this win leaves us, Mashed? I think this win was massive, and I think I just can't see them winning all these games. It's impossible to win all these games. And if they do, then fair play to them. They're a phenomenal team, but it's just they they must at least draw one game and that's all we need all we need is one slip up and we're going to pounce and we're not letting go of that top spot again so i really am confident that if we win the next game just that chelsea game we will win the league because i can't see city winning all these games it's it's so it's going to be draining like you can see how spurs play against us they're going to give city a game they're going to kick them they're going to fight they're going to get a, a scrap with them just like burnley just like crystal palace these teams will fight and there's also leicester that's also a tough game that's coming up for them after that stretch so there we have an easier run for sure and we just need to get over Chelsea, and if we if we win that game against Chelsea, I think we're winning the league. Let's talk about our our matches in April, Mazd. I mean, uh, Porto is next uh, at home. Then we've got Chelsea at home, Porto the away match. Uh, then we've got Cardiff away and Huddersfield at home. Um, gosh. There's so much to... How are you feeling about those the remaining five fixtures we have in April, Majd? Uh, they're all winnable, really, because Chelsea are, are different nowadays. They're not playing the, a Mourinho style or a Conte style of being defensive and being bastards, basically. They're playing attacking football, so they're going to be a little more open, so that gives me hope. And really, the other all the other games, I'm not scared. I think we can win all of them, including Porto home and away. I think we can finish off Porto this this week, kill them off in the first leg, and rest players in the second leg. And I think we can win all the other games. They're, they're, our record against, against teams outside of the top six is incredible. So I love the confidence, i got to say. I love it. Um, Linus, do you share it? Well, yeah, I, I actually do. I'm Normally, I, I, I'm very optimistic. And this is not different. I'm I'm just now we're kind of back to the high press and just trying to win the ball back as quickly as possible. But I think that's made possible by how we've played throughout the season. We've been very much allowing our players to kind of rest on the pitch because we've just played the ball around and then just find the pockets of spaces where we needed them and just uh, calmly dispatched our opponent. So yeah, we have a very good opportunity and a very good chance to win every single game we have left this season. And I, I think, uh, apart from the Chelsea game, the one, the only one I'm re- I'm kind of worried about is the Wolverhampton game. But as we... Because they've been very good against the other big teams. But we, we didn't have a problem with them uh, when we played them at their place. So why should we have a problem at Anfield where we haven't lost in almost two years, I think? 
So I I I, I just I can't see a game where we lose. Uh, not even Chelsea, for that matter. I I just can't see us losing, and it's that that makes it that makes it a bit more risky because if we do lose, I I'm just going to be even more sad. But I like Madge say, I'm just very confident, and I I can't see a single game here where we're going to lose. That's really interesting answer. Yeah, I mean to have that confidence to play against Chelsea, I would love to have that confidence. I don't, unfortunately, um, because uh, <laughs> let's just say I, I I know someone who who spoke to Eden Hazard um, a few times. They know each other, and Hazard said to him that you know lots of players um, they feel good when they play a particular team. Like I, you know, imagine. Um, Suarez, uh, Luis Suarez and Norwich. Imagine how he feels just before kickoff against Norwich. I mean, he's thinking, right, you know, full of confidence. Hazard has that against Liverpool, unfortunately. And he scored some beautiful goals against us in the past. And uh, I'm, I'm really, really nervous about it. Um, Anna, how are you? Are you, are, are, you uh, are you confident as well, like the other guys? Well, I understand what you're saying, but just to turn that around a little bit, I think... As long as we can stay calm under pressure, and a great example of that is Virgil van Dijk last night. I mean, the booing that, you know, that transpired yesterday was just awful. And I found that quite difficult to to watch. And it had no effect on his gameplay whatsoever. Um, So I think that is a great testament to how we can actually stay calm under pressure. You know, the term, oh, look, Liverpool, they bottled it again. They're going to bottle it again. It's just so overused. And I think yesterday we really showed how, you know, in, in the last few games we are managing to stay calm. And as I said, Virgil last night, oh, yeah, I wanted to climb in the TV and smash some faces yesterday. It really, really annoyed me. But how calm was he? In fact, I think he thrives on it quite honestly. I think he loves every minute of it. And as long as we can sustain that level of calm under pressure, I think we've got it in the bag. Again, yeah, Chelsea is my one concerning game, that would be. But then I still haven't recovered from Leicester. You just never know. And I think you can never underestimate your opponent, quite honestly. You can think, yeah, you know, this is the game to be worried about. And then, you know, one of the lesser teams pull something out of the bag or, you know, we end up with a draw and we're just all shaking our heads in complete disbelief. So you never know on the day anything can happen. But obviously we have the potential um, to win all of these games. So I've got everything crossed. Yeah, wonderful answer. And you, um, Marty, I've got a couple of things for you. First of all, yeah, uh, do you share this confidence? And also just that, like a sort of final thing that you can kick off talking about for us, Marty, is is the midfield. It's, it means it's, it's our main uh, topic of conversation, it seems, on, on Twitter and, and uh, other platforms uh, amongst Liverpool fans. Um, so firstly, Marty, how confident are you? And secondly, what, I mean, midfield, we need to sort of pick horses for courses between now uh, and the rest of the season, don't we? Yeah, uh, confidence-wise, I mean, to be honest with you, I think that you've got to find a fine line between confidence and arrogance. Um, I think the players need to be confident but level-headed. I think if they go into any games thinking this is a given, they will, they will drop points or potentially. Um, I mean, I'm confident. Uh, but at the same time, you know this this Manchester City team we're up against. They're they're, they're a freak. Um, you know any other season, this league is wrapped up, and we're thinking about going on the Champions League. Um, so I, I'm confident enough that there's two sides of it. Really, I'm confident enough that we can get through the end of the season with maximum points. Am I massively confident City will drop points? Fifty fifty. Um, so there's too many factors for me to be overly confident I think just as long as we keep winning games keep the mentality keep doing what we're doing then we're in with a very good chance of taking it to the to the wire um, and that's all we can do that's all we can ask for um, and, and hope for Lady Luck that City drops some points um, but I, I certainly think if the boys going as they are we're, we're going the rest of the season with maximum points um, on your point with the midfield, yeah, I mean, like my point earlier with Henderson, you know, there will be systems for different teams. And you look at Chelsea, um, you know, it, it, it's 
quite simple with what people have done when Chelsea have, have struggled in games, and that is to man mark Jorginho. Um, you know, Jorginho is their deep line playmaker. Um, you know, I think if you can get a couple of people to press him, you may be looking at Naby Keita or a Genie Wijnaldum or even a Henderson. Um, but I think Chelsea are there for the for the taking. I certainly wouldn't be looking at you know that midfield three of of Henderson, Milner, and Wijnaldum. I think we can certainly get at Chelsea and hurt them. And I I think there'll be games at home where you can even look at ultra attacking midfield. Maybe drop Fabinho in the six. Uh, and look at a Keita Shakiri, um, you know, pairing to try and break down low blocks. I think there's so many different combinations we've got. I think people just get frustrated because Klopp seems to have his tried and tested midfield three that you know sometimes away from home in like the PSG games and the Belgrade games it, it hasn't worked. Um, but there's no saying that the a different midfield three would have worked. I think you said last night Henderson and Milner have certainly got their place in the team. They're certainly going to have games where they're going to excel and and win us points. Um, and I think Klopp has certainly earned the trust of the fans just to sit back, trust his decisions. And in nine times out of ten, you know he gets it right. Um, they're all talented players. You know, there's nobody in that midfield, not even midfield through the whole midfield selection. I think you shouldn't be at the club. Um, I know you've even got Lalana in there who can have his say. I know obviously he's had his injury problems, but technically, again, you know Lalana. I think people forget because he's been injured the past sort of twelve months how good Lalana actually is. He's technically brilliant. Um, so I think the midfield is is you know gets a lot of unwarranted stick. I think they're all very good. They've all got a job in the team. They've all got their own job in the team. Um, and in the coming weeks, they'll all be needed and they'll all do their job. Well, brilliant answer, absolutely. Um, yeah, great, uh, Mas. Where do you stand on our on our midfield? Because you know, of course, we've got we've got Chamberlain coming back. You know, for example, does he, does he have a place between now and the end of the season? Ah, that's a difficult question. I was very optimistic when Klopp mentioned it you know beginning of february about how ox is coming back but at this point i'm not sure maybe he'll get substitute appearances but i don't think he's going to start any games till the end of the season uh, and i i don't want to risk it at all i think the lads that are fully fit like keita lalana shakiri fabini wijnaldum and milner and henderson these guys are good enough and they can get us over the line so hopefully we don't need ox because i want him to be fully fit and I don't want him to face any setbacks. I don't want us to rely on him, basically, because that would be too much pressure. And I think the other lads can do it for us. And, yeah, horses for courses. Sometimes we're going to need Alana. Sometimes we're going to need Keita. Sometimes we're going to need Shakiri. Sometimes we're going to need the other guys. Everybody's going to contribute. And one thing that does slightly concern me is Wijnaldum at the moment. He seems, He seems like... He seems very tired to me, so I really hope he gets the rest against Porto because he ran. He he's play, He basically played every every game since, since I remember this season. So he's undroppable. So maybe maybe we can drop him one game because he really looks tired. But otherwise, I think the lads can do it. I'm I'm not too worried about the midfield. Yeah, great, great answer. Um, yeah, you're right about about Vianaldum. I mean, there was a stat from uh, the Blood Red Channel podcast channel. I think it was Christian Walsh, Walsh who uh, said that. Yeah, he's he's something. I think he's played around three thousand four hundred minutes, about three hundred minutes more than any other midfielder. And yes, he does look a bit pooped, doesn't he, Linus? But uh, um, but other than that, I mean, our midfield is looking good. Um, isn't it? I mean, what what would you go for against Chelsea, Linus? I'm not sure because I don't. I haven't analysed Chelsea like the this Liverpool stab has, so I I don't know what's going to be the best. But I would probably want Fabinho and Henderson playing together, and then either Milner or Keita alongside, because I think uh, both uh, Henderson and Fabinho is very good at this pressing uh, and uh, Fabinho's just good all round and then depending on how we want to attack them either Keita as a as the creative uh, getting the ball forwards midfielder or uh, Milner as another sturdy but very underrated at offensively as well to just sit back and then let our front three counter-attack which is very dangerous because uh, the way Chelsea plays, they want to control the ball, and they don't—they don't really, unless you press uh, Jorginho really well, they don't really open themselves up a lot. Unless it's uh, Alonso, because he can't seem to do anything right at the moment. 
But yeah, I, I'm very confident in our midfield. I think we have a very underrated midfield, and uh, Vinaldo, one of my favorite players at the moment, he's just he doesn't really look that up to it because he's played way too much football. And like Matt said, I can't remember the last game we didn't play him, and I really think he needs a rest. So I want to see Fabinho, I want to see Henderson, and uh, then whoever, whoever plays uh, alongside them. Uh, I think that's going to be up to the Liverpool stab. Yeah, excellent answer. Yeah, you you mentioned the word underrated, and uh, Anna, you can have the final word here about our our midfield. Um, the underrated is a good word to use, right? Yeah, I've had mixed feelings about the midfield all season, really, because I get my frustration the same as anybody else. But I think you know it's true to say that we really do need to trust Klopp's choices and his his midfield selections because it's obviously served us well so far and I think there is no you know tried and tested method you do need to choose a particular midfield with whomever you're playing and I think that's what people find difficult to understand and also I feel that you can't isolate players you have to think about how they work together the chemistry between them and it's you know a different midfield for a different team. Um, for Chelsea, I would choose Cater, Hendo, Fabs, personally. Um, but again, you know, they're all fantastic in their own way. Um, and I think we just need to, to trust Klopp's decisions in future. Stop questioning. Um, because remember, he knows so much more than we do. Um, and, and again, it, it's a real bugbear of mine when players are isolated because you can't do that. They, they work together. They work as a team and they're doing great, aren't they? Because at the moment we're at the top of the league. So it speaks for itself. We couldn't do it without a great, a great midfield. So there it is. Yes, I thoroughly agree. We've got to trust Kloppo. I mean, you know, the amount of stick he got for his uh, his Brexit midfield or the no-deal Brexit midfield, as, uh, as uh, somebody called it. But, you know, it certainly divides opinion that, uh, you know, Hen- Hendo, Vinaldum, Milner, all that stuff. But yes, just look at the table. You're exactly right, Anna. We, we've already beaten last season's points total, so I'm already happy. No matter what happens uh, between now, we can lose the rest of the games this season it's still progress there's still something to cling on to as progress but of course you know I hope we don't I hope we win all of our matches but you're absolutely right Anna and that's an excellent way uh, to, to 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 end this discussion it's just we've got to trust Kloppo he knows way more than us a billion times more than us and look at where we are in the league so thank you very much uh, to Mazd to Anna to Marty and to Linus for joining joining us on, on Cop On today. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and thus, as we allow the string to slip through our fingers and the helium balloon of episode 31 to drift up, up and away, let me just say once more, Thank you so, so much for listening. Please tell your Liverpool-supporting friends about Cop On Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, at Cop On Podcast, or send us some love, hate, or something in between to coponpodcast at gmail.com. My name is Owen. I've got noisy neighbours upstairs. And thank you. Lots of love. Bye-bye.